with me to 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, and to James chapter 4. I want to take my time and be thorough this morning so that I don't miss any good thing and don't, don't short you on anything. Is that okay with you? So let's all just kind of take a deep breath and uh, relax. And A lot of times it doesn't take an extra minute or five or ten to to do a good job instead of a half job and just uh, I don't want to short you. You don't want me to short you, do you? Okay. Say it out loud. I have ears to hear. I have a heart to understand and to receive and I am becoming more like the Master from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. In 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, he's saying something to the rich. And so who's he talking to? He's talking to us. He's talking to me. That, that takes some mind renewal for most people <clears throat> to be righteous and rich. But that's us. Right? The righteous rich. <laughs> the righteous really rich. And in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, it says, Charge them that are rich, that's me, in this world, rich in this world, that they be not what? High-minded. This is important to the Lord. This is part of the scriptures that is talking to us about it. Be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Don't be high-minded, he said. In James, the fourth chapter, if you turn there. Right over to James chapter 4. And in verse 6, he says, but he gives more grace. Do you suppose he could give you more grace? Is there more grace to be had? He gives more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Humble yourself. This is not what somebody else is doing to you. It's not what the Lord's doing to you. You are humbling yourself. Now, we began, I guess, uh, two sessions ago, talking about the significance of humility and uh, the seriousness of pride. We said that humility means to go low or make low to bow down, and this is what you do with yourself. And meekness means gentleness and mildness. Pride is the exact opposite of humility. It means high in a bad way, high-minded as we've already seen, haughty. It's an overweening, overestimation of one's own self. Uh, Other definitions mean to inflate, to puff up, One means braggadocio, which has to do with being a braggart. And one means to envelop in smoke. And that that is a, uh, 
I know it sounds humorous to us, but that's literally what happens. Daniel 5.20 talks about pride hardening the mind. And the more in pride you are, the more smoky things are for you. Because you're seeing things through a filter of deception. And the most proud is the most blind. How could... The anointed cherub who was in the presence of God for we don't know how long and saw all the wonderful things that he saw. How could he get to the place where he could believe that he could use the principle of God that he learned from him against the creator and be successful? Pride makes you dull. No matter who you are or what you are, pride deceives you. Obadiah 3 says the pride of thine heart Has deceived thee. So pride involves deception. Deception means that you believe that something that's false is true. You believe a lie. So pride believes lies about itself. Where in contrast humility walks in reality. Humility walks in the truth. There's a lot of false humility around. We we touched on that. And, and being humble doesn't mean that you deny the praise and credit that you feel you really deserve. That, that's pride. That's being proud that you're humble. That's false humility. No, all you've got to do to walk in true humility is walk in reality. Love the truth. No matter how it makes you look. Love the truth above all. You understand that we are to love the truth and, and listen, I'm making a big statement here. Love the truth above absolutely everything and everybody. You're to love the truth more than you love anything, period. You might say, well, I thought we were supposed to love Jesus. That's what I said. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Is that right? I thought we were supposed to love the Word of God. That's what I said. Jesus said, John 17, Thy Word is truth. I thought we were supposed to love the Holy Ghost. That's what I said. He is the Spirit of truth. 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 Anything that is of deception, that is of falseness, is of the devil. God has never been in anything that is not totally true. He doesn't get into any gray areas or shades of truth. He is the truth. The truth. Now, uh, we talked a bit, and I just want to review before we go on. We talked about the, uh, some of the benefits of humility. And the Lord said to me some years ago, He said, uh, the degree... Well, let me just back up and and, and tell the whole thing. Back in Mississippi, before I ever came to Ramah, before I ever knew I had a call on my life to be a minister, years before that, I was sitting in our little mobile home reading the Bible, and I got to Numbers 12, verse 3. And it says, Now the man Moses was meek above all the men uh, that lived on the face of the earth, that were on the face of the earth at that time. And when, when I read that, the Spirit of God just prompted me, and the Lord said to me, did you, did you see that? Did you realize Moses was the meekest, meek, most humble man in his generation? I thought, yeah. 
He said, do you understand also that he was the most used man of me in his generation? I hadn't seen the connection. But I don't think anybody would deny that Moses was the most used man of God in his generation. And yet he was the meekest. You'll see this concerning the Apostle Paul. He said, you know, uh, that though God used him to do all these great things, he said, I'm less than the least of the apostles and the least of the saints. Why would he say something like that? Is he just trying to be humble? No, he, he is not, uh, try, he's not in, involved in any false flattery. He believes this. And the reason why the Lord has been dealing with us in these meetings, with you and with us, about this is because of what he said to me after this. He said, the degree of your humility determines the limits or the limitations of your usefulness to God. Now, let me try to simplify that. If you're in pride over where you're at now, you cannot go further. If you're in pride over what you have now, God cannot give you more. He won't. You don't qualify. And I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about the grace of God. I'm talking about the revelation of God. I'm talking about the anointing of God. And I'm talking about the prosperity of God. And that's part of being a faithful steward in the mysteries of God and a faithful steward in the resources of God. When you run out of humility, that's as far as God can use you. He cannot add to you. He cannot increase you. And so this is not just a good talk about humility. This uh, is going to make the difference as to how far you go. Right? And we've come up to a good place. The Lord's blessed us. But I'm telling you, I just sensed in my heart last night, there's a breakthrough, man. I mean, uh, you guys are getting a hold of this. But that's not going to be all there is to it. As you lay hold and you begin to, to believe for more, if you don't grow in humility, you're going to run up against a block. You're going to run up against the limit. And the Lord, what the Lord is saying, I don't want you to limit me in this. And if you cannot lay aside pride, which everybody has to deal with, Everybody, it's always humorous to me when I teach on this. And some folk go, you know, they, they, they act like they're almost personally insulted a little bit. When you teach on pride, it's like, well, Lord, did we need to hear that? <laughs> Everybody needs to hear this all the time. Do you understand? I'm just shocked because I, I guess I've thought this way for, you know, 20 years, but... Uh, it's just a common thing. People go, oh, Lord, why did you have him come teach on that? I mean, were we that far off? Everybody has to deal with this or else be limited. And what the Lord is, is doing is he wants to be sure that we're on the right track and that when pride comes up, because listen, two areas, this is another teaching within itself, youth are particularly susceptible to pride. That's why Paul, Paul writing Timothy tells him that they don't put novices in places of authority, lest being lifted up, you see. They fall into reproach. 
youth are particularly susceptible to pride. That doesn't just mean uh, chronological age. It also means spiritual age. But then also, pride has some of its greatest opportunity at the height of success and power. And that's why this is so exciting, because the Lord knows he's, going to, he's bringing us to some of these places. To some places of great success and great power. And that's when the enemy oftentimes is lying, waiting for that. And at the height of uh, power, at the height of success, pride will be there. And if you don't know how to recognize it and you don't know how to deal with it, it can be your undoing. Instead of going on up further even from that high place, you can go back down. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to go down. We don't want to go backwards. We want to go forward. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. I could give you numerous scriptures on all that, but I don't think I'll take the time to. Let me remind you of how the Lord sees pride. Don't turn there, but just... Listen to these things. Proverbs 6 says, These six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. And the first one on the list is a proud look. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate, the Lord said. Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Now that's about as strong as you could say it, isn't it? It's an, the proud heart, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 21.4 says, A high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. So God hates Pride. What about you? Do you hate it? I want you to 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 become impassioned about it. Now, I, you know, don't uh, th- these things just because you hear them for a day or two or three. That's not going to be it. If you don't keep this in front of you past these sessions, you're not going to change. Because you've been the way you've been for so long, right? You're going to have to keep it in front of you somewhere or another. Amen? Whether it's listening to the tapes again or making you some notes and just reminding yourself of what pride looks like and sounds like. Because I, I, cannot, I don't know all the ways that pride manifests itself. I don't know them all yet. I'm learning some and learning more all the time. But it's not my objective to give you a comprehensive thing, but just enough to begin to see what the ugly stuff looks like and sounds like. And, and begin to detect the spirit of pride. And where are we looking for it at? In yourself. Not your brother. Not your sister. Right? Now a byproduct of this is that the more you see pride in you, the more you're going to see it in other people. I've already warned you about this. But don't judge. Right? Just be thankful that you see it. In yourself. And work on yourself. Because if you've grown enough to where that you're, you're pushing that down in your life, you got, don't, don't, uh, don't be deceived. It hadn't been that long ago. You didn't even see it yourself. Right? 
So be thankful that you see it and that you're dealing with it. And if you want to help somebody, set the example in front of them. You don't have to preach to them, try to make them, you know, feel bad about it. Just, just live in front of them how it should be. And even if people are slow, eventually they'll, they'll catch on. They'll begin to notice it. Notice the differences anyway. So, uh, the degree of your humility determines the limitations of your usefulness to God. That means we've got to get the pride out. We've got to learn what humility is, grow in it, develop in it. And as we do, God can use us more and more and more. He can add to us. Uh, Great prosperity and great anointing and great revelation is something to handle. It really is. And the enemy will come and try to work on your flesh into getting you to think, well, man, that was an amazing revelation God gave me. I must be a special child of God. Hmm? People don't say it, but some of these thoughts go through their mind and, and, and they begin to think, well, man, look how much more blessed I am than they are. It must be because I'm more spiritual. I have more faith. I, I this or that. And you have, as God pours it on, you've got to deal with it. It's going to come up. Hmm? Pride, that is. It's in your flesh. And I'm going to give you, before this session is over, I'm going to give you several things that you can do to really quench it and squelch it. Are you interested? Yes. Amen. I didn't say it's always fun <laughs> and always easy, but it works. I'm going to give you some things that when you sense pride in you, and the first step is you've got to admit it. You've got to admit it, that these feelings and these thoughts, and it's pride, and it's in me, in my flesh, in my flesh nature. And there are some things you can do that will help quench this stuff and, and crush this stuff, and you need to just have a passion against it, that God says it's an abomination, He hates it, and so do I. I hate it. I hate pride. Say it out loud. I hate pride. I hate pride. See, it's the nature of the devil. God hates it, and I hate it. All right? I begin giving you yesterday, and I'm going to go over them again just real briefly, and then go to some other ones. Some evidences, some manifestations of pride. What does it sound like? What does it look like? The first one we gave you, and I'm asking you questions because I want you to do some self-examination. Not so you can feel bad about it, but so that you can get it out. So that you can, uh, God can expand you and use you more. So that you'll not be limited. First of all, pride speaks of itself. John seven eighteen, we turned and looked at it. Jesus said, he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. Pride uh, is seeking the glory of man. Pride seeks ever to impress Pride wants you to be impressed with me. Impressed with what I know, what I have, what I've done, how I look. The list goes on and on and on. But pride is always trying to impress. Don't ever try to impress. Just be impressive. 
Now you may have to think about that some. But don't, don't try to impress. Don't do things just solely to impress. It's always pride. It's going to be wrong. Uh, here's some questions you know. Are you talking about yourself all the time? When conversation is going on, do you always have to share your view? Can you just be quiet and listen to somebody else? Even if you know something, can you be quiet about it? Or do you have to tell it? If you've had some experience in that area too, do you have to bring it up? See, pride has to, pride has to let you know that I know as much as you do and probably some more. Pride has to let you know I've been there too and beyond. <laughs> pride has to let you know, yeah, I got three at home. In fact, I've got a rare one. Pride has to let you know. It, it can't be quiet. It's got to let you know. Do you, you know, are you unhappy unless people notice you? Are you unhappy unless you're seen? How do you handle being ignored? Being ignored doesn't bother humility. You don't miss something you weren't looking for. So pride is always speaking of itself. Always, you know, I, I, me, me, mine, this and that. Pride is a name dropper. Now that's people I know, places I've been... My brand of cologne. My brand of clothes. That's a nice suit. Oh yeah, it's a such and such. I got it at such and such. In fact, so and so was with me. <laughs> Help me pick it out. <laughs> well, see, why do you tell these? Why, why are you telling? See, ask yourself these questions as you're going along through life. Why am I telling them this? To bless them? To minister to them some way? Or am I soliciting a response of impression? Am I, you know, bottom line, am I wanting them to look at me and go, wow, that key's really something. When the truth is, without Jesus, Keith is nothing. We talked about in you truths, you remember those? In yourself, you are zero. In yourself, you know zero. In yourself, you have nothing. In yourself, you can do Is that true or are we just trying to be humble? No, it's really true. Oh, you can do some stuff, but it ain't worth talking about. You can mess up. You can sin. You can... File things up, but who wants to do that? Do you remember in 1 John it talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life? Do you remember that phrase? Have you ever experienced the pride of life? I got two or three people nodded their head that other folk look like. 
And for real, that's the problem. You have. You have in a big way. I assure you. But the problem is folk don't recognize it. They don't see it. I said youth are particularly susceptible to pride. Do you remember the situation with Jesus where that they drug the woman out of a bed with a man, said we caught her in the act of adultery, interrupted Jesus' teaching message, threw her down, and said, we caught her, the law says stone her, what do you say? And eventually he said, you know, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they left, how, in what order? Oldest first. But why were the youngest the last to leave? (laughs) See, some confirmation there, you see that? But <laughs> but uh, I remember when I was 15, 16, 17, man, you know, Friday night had come around. Well, pride of life is, is, is kicking in you about as much as anything else. And man, you know, you got to polish that car. Got to get it just right. Man, I'd spend two days on that thing detailing it. Got to make sure you could comb your hair in those chrome wheels. and Tune on that engine so it sounded just right. Just right. And when you're getting ready, you know, hit the weights at least a little bit. Get your arms looking a little better, you know. <laughs> Wear a t-shirt and uh, roll that sleeve up a little bit. And uh, get your hair just right. And then roll up around the, uh, the square where the kids were hanging out. Kind of slide down in the car, not too high. Hang your, hang your arm out the window, you know. And when you roll, there's a kid sitting up on the corner. Don't look at them, though. That's uncool. Don't look at them. Just kind of look straight ahead and go, on your engine, you know. Don't look. Don't look. What is that? That's pride of life. Now, are you closer to knowing what I'm talking about? Anybody ever experienced any of this? What is every fiber of your being calling out for? Look at me. Look at me. You want the boys to go, cool car. Man, listen to that engine. You want the girls to go, whoo, he's good looking. Huh? You're wanting to solicit impression. You want people to be impressed with you. And if you're seeking the honor and the glory that comes from man, you are not seeking the glory that comes from God, Jesus said. And a strong enough desire for the approval and honor of God will displace this desire for the honor of man. People are fickle. They'll think you're great today and write you off tomorrow. People don't know much. But oh, to please God and to find favor with the Lord and to have Him pleased with you and to get His honor, that's eternal. That does not fade. That means something. Everybody likes to be liked. Everybody likes to be appreciated. But don't put too much stock in what people think and don't live your life for to be seen and noticed of men it's a waste of good resources are you with me 
So pride speaks of itself. Uh, Pride promotes itself. It's always trying to convince you of its call. And it, it'll, it, it puts labels on itself. You know, it's always saying, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle, receive me, respect my gift. <laughs> I'm of this, I'm of that, I'm the other. No, just, just be what you are. Let your fruit speak for itself. Also, pride is not interested in others. It's only interested in, in what it wants to say. It is not a good listener. Pride is not a good listener. Pride is an interrupter. Interrupts. We went into some detail about that. Can you show genuine interest in others? Is your view really the only important one? Another thing, pride presumes that others are interested in me. (laughs) It assumes that as I go on and on, that people really want to hear this. It really is amazing. Have you ever seen a situation where somebody just going on and on and on and everybody around them is tired of hearing it? But everybody except them knows we're tired of hearing it. But they are in a cloud of smoke thinking that people are hanging on their words. When they're just trying to be polite and nice and they're going, oh, yeah. Yeah. When they're thinking, oh, they just shut up and let's, <laughs> let's go eat or something. Hmm? But see, humility has enough awareness to realize when somebody's not interested in what I'm saying. Jesus said, we are not to cast our pearls before swine. We're not to give that which is holy to the dogs. That is, you do not give precious things to people who are not appreciating them. Right? So we need to be constantly monitoring as we're talking with somebody. And if we can tell they're not really with us, they're not genuinely wanting to hear this, stop. Right? And I mean, you don't want to be so dull that you're just rambling on and on and on and on, assuming that people are hanging on your words when they're just tolerating you. Do you? But pride makes you blind like that. Pride assumes Others are interested in me. Pride assumes most everybody already knows me and my exploits before I get there. And if they don't, they for sure want to find out. <laughs> and that, that you, you'll see this come up again and again. Pride assumes. Humility doesn't assume. Even though it might seem obvious, humility will ask. Pride assumes. Humility asks. Pride will just assume, well, I know you'd love to, to, to go to lunch with me. I know you'd love to spend some time with me. I know, I know nothing could be more important than being with me. Humility, even if it seems obvious, humility will ask what you've got going on. Hmm? 
You know, it's a common courtesy when you're calling people. You know, phones can be intrusive. Because you don't know what's going on in that person's life when their phone rings. Right? And so a habit of mine is as soon as somebody put, well, first of all, it's good to just be led for your call, folks. Anyway, just, just try to be led in life in general. Right? You can tell a lot of those folks they, they weren't led. You know, it's just a bad time. But a lot of times my first statement is, you know, what's going on? Instead of just focused on what I'm thinking and what I want to talk about, you know, is this a good time to talk? What have you got going on? Humility is considerate. Right? Of the other person, what's going on in their life. Pride is not. Pride assumes that you could have nothing more important than what, what I'm about to share with you. And I'm, I know that you just want to drop everything and listen to me. That may not be the case. Hard as it is to, to believe it, it may, there could be something more important than you in their life at that moment. <laughs> I know that's rough on your pride, but let's just, let's accept it. Hallelujah. Another thing we said is that pride will not show impression. It, uh, no matter how impressed it is, it won't admit it. Um, and you'll find this, one, one way this is, is manifested is that, uh, have you ever been with somebody that no matter what's going on, they saw something bigger and better? You're sitting at a restaurant eating one of the best meals you've ever eaten, you know, and you think, man, isn't this good? And they go, yeah, yeah. And then they're going to tell you about a restaurant they went to somewhere that just puts this one in the shade. And I don't mean it's an exception. I mean it's all the time. No matter what's going on, they've seen bigger and better. They've done bigger and better. Well, even if they have, why would you feel compelled to tell it? Is it going to help us enjoy this situation? <laughs> huh? You're eating a good sausage, and they, and they say, no, no, you know, this is a good sausage. Yeah, praise God. Well, no, let me tell you what good sausage is. <laughs> I was in Germany, and, and I did this, and I did that, and they brought it on a gold platter, and, and they had to hold me down in between bites. And, and uh, <laughs> You know, usually folk are lying. It wasn't as amazing as they make it out to be. Well, why though? What compels them to do this? Now, I don't mean, you know, I'm not saying you could never, you know, tell somebody about something you enjoyed. But uh, pride will provoke you to do this all the time. No matter what's going on. No matter, you know, well, here's a great car. Well, yeah, that's great, you know. But let me tell you about this car. You're taking away I mean, realize when, when somebody's blessing is going on, right? I mean, it might be a, a used car, but it's the best one they've ever had. Hmm? You don't go and then tell them about all the better stuff you've seen and the better stuff you've experienced. This is their day. This is their time. This is their blessing. Don't take away from this. Don't minimize this or make it small. Right? And see, the, the motive behind this is selfish, and, and, and it's uh, conceit. It, it's, you know, 
uh, always trying to appear that you have seen more, done more, have more than anybody else. And it's a lie. I said it's a lie. Just, you know, they're, they're, you, you run into folk all the time. And, they, you know, I don't care how good a service it was. Well, I was in another service over here. And, boy, you think that service was good. Whoo, glory. I mean, we were caught up in the glory for four days. And, well, <laughs> no. Enjoy the time. Amen? Amen? Enjoy the blessing of the present. Don't minimize it by trying to compare it to something that you think is greater or something that you've seen is greater. Even if you think you have. Don't take away from the other people. Right? Pride won't show impression. Humility will. Humility. Pride can't say things like, you know, man, I never saw that before. That's a great revelation. Glory to God. I never even thought of that. Humility can say that. Pride won't. Pride will stand around and act like it already knew. Did you see that in the Word? Oh, yeah. Praise God. And just lie. Pride, you know, can be impressed, you know, that you, you've accomplished something I haven't accomplished. You lost 40 pounds. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> Pride will get mad. Hmm? Now, you need need to realize pride is unreasonable. And there are times when people find themselves irked and irritated, and they got no reason to be. When somebody has success in something, why should you be irritated? Why should it aggravate you? If they achieve something that you've wanted to achieve, should you be angry? Should it aggravate you? Should it depress you? If it is, what's wrong with you? Pride. You should rejoice. Humility can ask questions. How'd you do it? Help me. Right? These are the kind of people that get grace. The haughty won't ask. Pride will not ask for help. Humility will. Pride won't ask for directions. (laughs) Humility will. Pride won't ask for assistance. Hmm? Humility will. You ever seen somebody? You got no experience with a piece of equipment or with a certain procedure? None. None. But they're an expert. Have you ever heard folk talk? They've never done it. They've never been involved in it. But they know all about it. And they're so sure. They're sure. Well, how do you know? Well, I just know. You ever done it? Well, not exactly. You ever been there? Well, no, not yet. But I, I know. I have, you know, I've read books and I have friends. And, and I know. How do you know? Well, I just know. I'm sure. How can you be so sure? Have you done it? Have you been there? Did you see it with your own eyes? Did you hear it with your own ears? Well, no, but I just know. They're dealing with a piece of equipment they never dealt with before. You can tell they're about to break the whole thing. 
And you say, um, could I help you with that? Oh, no, no, I got it. <laughs> you can tell they're just about to mess the whole thing up. Can I help you with that? No, no, I got it. Really, really. You ever done that before? Uh, well, sort of. No, not really, but, you know, I got it. Pride. If you don't know, you don't know. Right? If you've never done it, you never. And, you, and, and here's the thing. As God blesses you and you get skilled or accomplished in one area, and maybe in that area you might be viewed as a master of sorts at it. That doesn't mean that you're a master at everything else. Right? Just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're good at everything. Everybody are good at some things and absolutely not good at all at other things. Right? There are all kind of things you know nothing about. It just ain't your area. Hmm? Admit it. In a heartbeat. Ask for help. Somebody comes in with the skill, get out their way. Right? Just back up and go, hey, you're the man. I don't know. Pride can't admit it doesn't know. Humility can't easily. I don't know. I don't know. I've had people ask me questions about the Bible before, you know. I had a student one time come ask me a certain question. And he said, you know, such and such. And I thought just a minute. I said, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. They said, oh, Brother Keith, I know you do. Just tell me. I said, really? I don't know. There's a lot in there I don't know. Oh, come on now. You're just not wanting to tell me. Just tell me. I said, really? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. If I knew, maybe I'd tell you, but I don't know. Pride chokes on those words. Hmm? It, it, it wants you to think that I know everything, that I can do everything, but they already know you can't. You had not got everybody fooled that you can do everything. They already know. And it's refreshing if you'll admit it and acknowledge the truth. Say, I love the truth. Love the truth. Hallelujah. Now, another manifestation of pride is lying and secrecy. We've already touched on these things, but uh, uh, pride exaggerates. One of the definitions is braggadocio. It's a braggart. It makes it out to be so much bigger than it was. And uh, pride tries to portray and maintain a false image, a false front. Pride doesn't want you to know how it really is with me. How I really live, what I really know and don't. Because it's got this front that it has worked hard to project and to keep and to maintain. And that'll wear you out. Like I said, you, you hear people say, man, I'll be so glad when I can just get to the house and just, just let down my hair and just be myself. Well, well, you're supposed to be yourself all the time. Now, if you're talking about just flesh out, well, you're never supposed to do that at home or anywhere. Right? <laughs> you're supposed to put your flesh under at home as well as abroad. But... You're supposed to be yourself, not, not try to be somebody else. 
Right? Maintaining the front is uh, exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. Now, uh, another manifestation of pride is anger. Anger, we've touched on it already. Anger, contention, and strife. Pride is defensive. Pride is an arguer. It's contentious. It is a strife causer. Now, a very very strong scripture here in Proverbs 13.10. Think about it. Only by pride comes contention. Only. If you see contention, what do you know? There's some pride in there somewhere. Somebody or somebody's are yielding to some pride. Elsewise, it wouldn't be like this. Right? Because the folk are, you know, it's not just about me being right. It's not about who is right. It's about what is right. And if you get caught up in, you know, trying to prove that I'm right, you're in pride. You should love the truth. Let's find out what is right. If it shows that I'm wrong, so be it. I want the truth. Right? If it shows that you're wrong, well, I'm sorry, but we want the truth. We want the truth. And the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. The wisdom of God is that way. It's not pushy. It's not, you've got to hear my side and you've got to see it the way I do. No, they don't. People do not have to accept even what you know to be true. They don't have to accept it. People don't have to accept what God says. I know years ago I had, uh, I had prayed three-fourths of the night about a thing with a certain acquaintance of mine. And man, I got a word from the Lord about it. I heard from the Lord about it. I went to him. And as, in the best way I knew how, I broached the subject and we talked about it some. And they just shut me down, man. They just cut me off like a faucet. Well, I left them. I felt kind of bad about it, man, you know. And, and the Lord said, uh, son, don't take it personal. If they won't listen to me, why do you think they'll listen to you? And uh, people don't have to accept the truth. Well, you've got, to, you've got to accept this. No, they don't. Not now, not ever. That's good for them if they will accept truth, but nobody has to. God's given us a free will. And if the Holy Ghost is not a coercer, if he's not a manipulator, if he's not a forcer, don't you be. Never get into trying to make somebody do something. Never. Even the the shepherds and the leaders of the people of God, the job is to lead and call to follow. What if they don't follow? Well, then they don't. Well, bless God, I'm going to make my relatives do this. No, you're not. You're going to bring reproach on the testimony of Christ. The Spirit of God calls. What if you don't want to listen? Okay, you don't. What if you don't want to do it? Then you don't. He's not going to make you. He's not going to force you. Demons are forcers. Demons are coercers. The Holy Ghost is gentle. He's manifested in the shape, form as a dove. Tells us a lot about his nature. 
That's the way you and I should be. Pride, I said, is an arguer. It wants to argue. It wants to prove that I'm right. It wants to prove that I know what I'm talking about and you don't. You're wrong. I'm right. And I mean, it's going to have its say if it splits the family, if it splits the church. Well, bless God, I'm right. Even though you're technically right, when your spirit's wrong, you can be in more trouble with God than the person that's technically wrong. Right? I mean, it's not just about who's technically right and wrong. It's about your spirit, your heart, your attitude. And when you get nasty and pushy, just like some heathen that never got saved, you're letting your flesh nature, pride, self-centeredness dominate you. Don't do it. It it can ruin your testimony in your workplace, on the job, with other people. Because that's the way they act. That's the way they see rank sinners act. If you don't act any better than that, why should they want to receive the Lord? What's, What's the benefit? Okay. Another manifestation of pride. Are you ready? <clears throat> I didn't even get a response on that. Did I? <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as a yes, okay? <clears throat> uh, pride is often manifested as embarrassment or offense or hurt. Kind of link those two things together. When you get mad and when you get hurt, make yourself look inside and ask yourself, why? Why did I get so mad about that? Why did I get so hurt about that? Mad and or hurt. People get their feelings hurt. Dear me, I mean, you get folk that want to lay out of church for two or three weeks because they think the pastor didn't take enough time with them at the door or something. I mean, or they didn't smile at them properly or uh, somebody didn't, you know, well, it's all about me. Somebody didn't take enough time with me. Somebody didn't treat me like I should be treated. That's pride. The music is not supposed to stop when you walk through the door. And everybody turn around and look and go, they're here. (laughs) They're here. Who do you think you are? What do you think you are? I'm a child of God. So are they. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. So are they. What makes you superior? Why should you receive special attention? Special acknowledgement. Why? Why? Like I said, I've got a principle that I endeavor to operate by, and that's expect nothing, appreciate everything. It'll do, it'll do you good service, I'm telling you. You just stay, you, you, you avoid being mad and hurt about all those things that people didn't do for you. You just never think about it. Well, maybe there's some things they should have done. Maybe they should have done this or that. Well, that's between them and God. But for me, i got to keep my heart right. Amen? And not let myself get into the place where I am expecting people to do things for me because I'm this or that or I've done this or that. Why? Expecting. You cannot be gracious to someone who feels they deserve it. 
You can't. Pride is unthankful. Pride is ungrateful. It assumes you should have done it. You should have done that for me. Humility is thankful. Even if it's something that always happens or usually happens, well, that just means people are continuing to be gracious to you. Right? No matter how many times people do something nice for you, never let yourself get calloused or hardened to the point where you think, well, yeah, they should have done that. You know, we, Phyllis and I have traveled all over the place. And uh, a lot of times people will put a little basket in our room and, uh, you know, fruit and some things like that. We always make a point about looking at it, you know, pulling the stuff out and going, well, isn't that nice? Thank you, Lord. If somebody does, you know, even even though it's happened a thousand times, it's still somebody took time out of their day. Is that right? Somebody spent money on you. Well, I'm the guest speaker. They ought to. No, 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 no. God could have somebody else there instead of you that might do a better job. Hmm? So, you know, ungratefulness is ugly stuff. It's ugly stuff. And, you know, the Lord... This whole plan of redemption, he has done in such a way that it is not by works, that the whole thing has to be by faith that it might be by grace. That means we didn't earn any of it. We didn't merit or deserve any of it. All of it has been given to us by the graciousness of God, for which we ought to be thankful. Thankful. In fact, the Lord said this to me some years ago. He said, in time of prayer, he said, Keith, would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? Man, it didn't take me a split second to answer that. I said, yes, yes, and yes. Yes, sir. Yes. He said, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Now that tells me a lot of things just in that one phrase. Cultivate means it's not going to happen by itself or, or easily. The natural thing for you to do is just, you know, be mum and assume and take things for granted. That's the nature of your flesh. But you have to stir yourself up to be thankful even for what people might call the small and the little things. You'll be so much happier. And this is actually a big key in, in, in developing in humility. Humility is thankful. If you're always trying to exercise yourself this way, it is a part of cultivating and developing humility as well. Stir yourself up. When you get up in the morning, thank God for your sleep. Thank God for a bed. Thank God for running water. Some people don't have it. Right? Thank God for hot water. Some people don't have it. Right? Thank God for it. See, the more you take for granted, you're sliding the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Thank God for paved roads. Instead of fussing and cussing about traffic. Huh? Or dumb drivers. Thank God for angels. Huh? Be positive. Don't be negative. Griping and belly aching. Be, be, be thankful. 
thankful. Thank God for the carpet in the church. Hallelujah. We're not on bare floors. Thank God for your chair. You got a pad on your chair. Because if you had to sit and listen to me as long as I go on just a bench, you know. Of course, you had to be thankful for the bench because you wouldn't be on the floor. Right? Just be thankful. Just be thankful. Thankful. Humility is thankful. It's appreciative. It's grateful. Pride assumes they should have done it for me. Well, hey, they should have done it. I'm so-and-so. I'm a this. I'm a that. They're supposed to show respect. Well, even if they are supposed to, that's between them and God. You leave that alone. Don't let yourself think over in that area. Of what anybody ought to do for you. Now, you know, if I was teaching on the other side of this, yes, appreciate your people. Take care of them. Do things for them. But that's the other side of this. I'm talking about what you expect people to do for you, which is going to be what? That was real weak. Well, now, bless God, I expect my kids to get me a present on Mother's Day. Not even that. Because if you do... How can they be gracious to you? You just feel like they're just doing what they should do. I changed their diapers. I fed them. I sacrificed them. They can't even pick up the phone and call me on Mother's Day. That's exactly like Sue Sinner down the street thinks. Bless God, Christmas coming around. I better have some presents under that tree. (laughs) What a stinky attitude. That's not motivating anybody to want to give you anything. I mean, think about it. Put yourself on the other side. You, you know, you get the present, you spend the money, you do the thing, you put it in their hands, and look at you and go, it's about time. I was wondering when this present was going to get here. You were almost in trouble. You came close. Does that make them want to run out and get you another present? No, they feel it's a duty. They feel it's a responsibility. I have to do it or elsewise relations get out of hand. Am I kicking a sacred cow here or something? I don't know. I don't care if it's your birthday. I don't care if it's Christmas. I don't care if it's your anniversary, Mother's Day, Father. I don't care what it is. Do not assume. And take for granted that people have to or are going to do things for you. Because if you do that, you're not even going to be thankful really. Or not like you should. But when you, when you genuinely get yourself set so that you're not expecting it. Now you're expecting big things from God. Alright? But as far as looking at people. And pulling on them, you're expecting nothing. That means anything they do is a surprise. <laughs> and it's just great. Amen? And so instead of being in the corner miffed because something didn't happen, when anything happens, you're happy. And if nothing happens, you're still happy because you wouldn't expect anything to happen. Anyway, you're just happy. And when you're genuinely thankful, it blesses the people that did it for you. Amen. Makes them want to do more for you. All right. Here's another manifestation of pride. Pride always tries to be 
different. Different. There's this thing about being different. Have you ever heard people say, well, I guess I'm just different. <laughs> I guess I'm just not like most people. Well, I guess I'm just really different. Well, what do you mean? Why do you say that? For one thing, you don't know uh, half a percent of the people in the world. Right? So how would you know how, how they are? For another thing, you are very much like other people. <laughs> See, pride wants to think, I'm special. And to God, we're all special. But compared to each other, there ain't that much difference in the basics. We all got the same flesh nature. All got the same Savior, thank God. Same Holy Ghost, same name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Tempted with the same like situations and problems. We're, we're, we're all, in, in a real sense, in the same boat. And so when you start talking about, well, I guess I'm just different. So many times people are implying superiority. They're implying it. Well, I guess I'm just different. They're implying, I guess I'm just more spiritual. I guess I just walk closer to God. Well, even if you were by the grace of God walking some closer, that's a prideful attitude. Because if you are able to have some things and do some things, it is by the grace of God. Not because you're so smart. Not because you've worked so hard. Right? So watch out about the different stuff. That's often an indication of some pride. Now, here's a big one. <laughs> you thought the other ones were big? <laughs> uh, they're all significant. And you, let me remind you, I am not giving you an exhaustive list. I don't know them all. But, uh, you know, every few months the Lord will show me something else. He'll say, that's pride. And, and usually I'm looking in me when he says it. And I, Oh, man. Never do you just conquer the stuff and put up your victory flag and go, I got it. This is the day Keith Moore got totally free from pride. That's like saying you got no flesh anymore. As long as you got flesh, you got this stuff to deal with. Here's one. Pride does not want to be taught and it does not want to be corrected. Does not want to be taught. Pride wants to teach. It doesn't want to be taught. And pride certainly doesn't want to be corrected. Pride, you know, thinks I don't, I don't need this. I don't need to hear this teaching. I already got this. I know this. Along with this, pride doesn't think it needs to practice anymore. Pride thinks, I'm so good now, I don't need to practice. You know, the Lord's allowed me and us to get into aviation. Just a little over three years ago, I got in an airplane for the first time. And the Lord's really blessed us. We've come a long ways in a short period of time. We're flying jets now. 
But I'm telling you, what a challenge. And uh, is this one of those things, like a lot of things, uh, you know, Brother Copeland's been flying for all these years, but he, he goes back to recurrent training all the time. And, uh, I, you know, I plan to from now on. Why? Because no matter what you think you know, there's always more to learn. And then there's things that you're not doing all the time. You just are, you get rusty at. And it's that way with a lot of things. With the, uh, with the, the things of God. Ministers sometimes get to the place where they think they don't need to study anymore. Or not much. You know? I'm telling you, you have to watch that. God, God really, really uses you. Really gives you some tremendous things. Really anoints you. The enemy, it doesn't happen overnight, but the enemy will try to work you toward praying less, reading less. And at first it's not much. But as long as he can just get you started in that direction, then eventually you've gone days and weeks and hadn't done much. But sometimes by the grace of God, you still seem to be doing okay, not realizing it's God's grace for his people's sake. In spite of your slackness but never do you get to the place where you don't need to study you don't need to pray you don't need to practice right I don't care if you're the best of the best at what you do the moment you say well I you know I don't need to practice anymore I don't need to train anymore that's when you start going down right humility knows though I may know something there's a whole lot I don't know yet a lot more I don't know than what I know. Though I can do some things, if I don't stay after it, I'll get rusty. I'll get where I'm not good at it. So, humility is continuing to train, continuing to study, continuing to practice all the time. All the time. Not as a burdensome thing, but just knowing, hey, I, just, I need to stay after it. Nobody gets so good, they don't need to practice. And... Uh, Pride thinks it doesn't need this teaching. I mean, when somebody's taught on faith for the 49th time, and then somebody gets up and says, let's turn to Mark 11, 23, pride will groan and go, oh, man, another faith message. Why would you think like that? Because you're presuming I've got faith. That's deception. Never do you get uh, a thing of God, and that's all that is. You've got it all. Like I said to you, pride is an arguer. Pride is defensive. Listen to 1 Timothy 6.4. It talks about an individual that, that argues. says, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof comes envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. Second Timothy 2.23. Second Timothy 2.23. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach Patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Pride is defensive. Pride is an arguer. Humility will listen 
even when it's sure you're wrong. Hmm? Humility will listen. Because there might be something here that I'm missing. Right? Even when it seems glaringly obvious that you're wrong, humility will say, well, I don't know everything. Maybe there's something here I need to hear. Pride is defensive. It's always defending itself. It's always justifying itself. It's always making excuses. Pride makes excuses. Humility makes adjustments. Let's say that you're running late. Everybody's been waiting on the car, waiting in the car for you for 30 minutes. Hmm? Now you get down to the car. What do you say? Huh? A lot of times people, when they get there, they're aggravated. You ever seen somebody? They're aggravated? Well, you know, you know I had this and I had that and, and, and so on. So you're in the car, you could have helped me with this. And, and you know, and da 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 see, see, pride is a blame shifter. You're, you're mad. Why? Because you're embarrassed. Because everybody's waiting on you. What would humility say? Pride makes excuses. What would humility do? Can you say, now I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit, but can you say, you're right, I'm wrong, period? Period. That's important. (laughs) Big period. With a big stop sign on it. Period means stop. I told you yesterday, don't mess up an apology with an excuse. You ever seen somebody? You know, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. But you know, what the deal was, was, you know, so-and-so was in my way. And I, and I tried, and he wouldn't listen to me. And you just... You shouldn't even apologize because you didn't mean it. You're You're still trying to blame shift. You're still making excuses. What will humility say down to the car 30 minutes late? Everybody's waiting on you. Hmm? I am so sorry. I shouldn't have made you guys wait. Forgive me. You know, making people wait on you is a form of pride. You know, sometimes you, you might mess up on something, but I mean, just knowing that people are waiting on you and just taking your precious time anyway, you're saying, well, hey, my time is much more important than your time. Hmm? And so you've got people that'll, you know, they got folk waiting on them and they'll drag around and do this and do that and play with this and play with the other and just, you know. Why? Because it makes them feel important. Humility will admit the truth. What were you doing? Uh, I guess I wouldn't lead. I guess I missed God. I guess I didn't get up early enough. 
I'm sorry. But see, your flesh don't like that. But it's good for your flesh. Huh? Like a colonel told me one time in the Air Force, he said there were only uh, three correct responses when your superior called you on the carpet. What was that? Yes, sir. No, sir. And no excuse, sir. No excuse. Everybody said no excuse. Why'd you do that? Uh, acted dumb. Was slow. Didn't pray. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's my fault. Whereas pride's always trying to make an excuse, always trying to blame it on somebody else. Can you receive instruction? Can you admit that somebody knows something you don't know? Can you receive correction? Can you admit that they are right and you are wrong? When's the last time you looked at somebody and said, you know, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm asking you a question now. When's the last time? When, when? That may be too long. That you looked at somebody and you said, you're right. I'm wrong. Period. No buts, ands, if, and explanations for 15 minutes. You're right. I'm wrong. Sometimes you need to also say, I'm sorry. That wasn't right. I was wrong. Period. Pride chokes on these words. It, 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 even though it knows it should say them, it just can't <clears throat> quite get them out. They just won't come. <laughs> and it wants to do other things instead. It knows it's wrong. It knows it's wrong. But it'll say, okay, let's go get something to eat. <laughs> huh? Well, you might, you might have a point on that. I don't know. You know, let's, let's go. Now, come on up to the lick log. Take your medicine. Look them in the eye and say, you're right. You're totally right. I was totally wrong. I'm sorry. Period. End of, end of it right there. That's it. Now, along with this is a question, how well do you answer questions? This is a test. And how well do you follow instructions? Have you ever been in a situation where you ask somebody a question? Here's a stain on the, on the carpet. The folk that are all around. Who put this stain on the carpet? Did you put that stain on the carpet? And they look at you and go... Well, you see what the deal was, these guys in here horsing around, and da, da, da. what are they doing? They're not answering your question. Why? Pride, blame shifts, makes excuses, tries to skirt it. Humility will answer the question. Did you wreck the car? Well, uh, you see, what the deal was, is me and Joe was going down the road, and then this guy, I didn't ask you that. Did you wreck the car? 
Well, no, see, you don't understand. See, what was happening was, <laughs> have you ever seen this? Huh? Maybe we're involved in it. I don't know. What will humility do? See, pride refuses to answer the way you ask. Pride insists it's going to be on my terms the way I want to talk, the way I want to do it. Did you wreck the car? What's the answer? If you wrecked a car, what's the answer? Yes. Yeah. I smashed it. See, your flesh don't want to say that and leave it at that. It's got to get out of it some way. It's got to make some, and there might be some good reasons, but humility will wait to see how much they want to know about it. Instead of trying to lessen my culpability, my, my responsibility by explaining. And humility follows instructions. Pride always has a better way. Hmm? Take the trash out at three in the afternoon, put it in the red can. That's not complicated. Take the trash out at three, put it in the red can. But pride is so smart that it always thinks up a better way. Well, I know what they said, but you know, if they'd have been as smart as me and thought up this, they'd have probably thought this was a better idea. So I'm going to go ahead and take the, pride, take the garbage out at six. Because I can put more in the can. And that red can is too small. So let's go ahead and put it all in the blue can. And no need for me to ask them about it. Because I know if they'd have thought of this. That this is what they'd have told me to do. Pride. I said pride. Pride. How well do you follow instructions? You see. Take the trash out at three. Put it in the red can. Humility will take, even though humility thinks that it's got a plan for the, for the whole sanitation department of the city. <laughs> humility will acknowledge, I'm not in charge of this. I was told to do this. This is the way I'll do it. If they want to know and we have opportunity, I'll share my ideas. But they told me to do this. This is what I'm going to do. Amen. Never assuming that my idea is so superior, there's no need in me even checking with them about it. I know if they knew how wonderful this is, they'd just say, go ahead and do it. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Pride. Everybody say pride. pride. I'm sure glad you're having so much fun in here this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm winding up. Just uh, Can you hold on for just a few more minutes here? Hallelujah. Here's another one. And just got about, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I think I'm just going to give you two more. Just this one and one more major one. I got more, but this will be enough. Um, how well do you receive? Now, I know you're a reaper. But are you good at receiving? People choke on receiving. Can you receive something that you, you can't pay back? Can you receive something that 
you know, is humbling? Or do you always have to be the big man? You got to be the one giving. You got to be the one doing the thing. Have you ever heard people say, well, you know, I love to give, but I don't know, it's hard for me to receive. You ever heard that kind of thing? Well, they got more problems than they thought. Why? You know, I, it's humbling sometimes to receive. I've had single moms come and with, with children that didn't look to be clothed that well and hand me a crumpled, dirty $5 bill. Well, your, your first initial natural response is to say, well, here, dear, you keep that and reach in your pocket and give them something. But we either believe what we preach or we don't. Right? And I'm, I'm not their source. Even if I could meet their need today, I can't take care of them the rest of their life. But God can. And why, what, what determines if he can or not? If they will tithe, if they will give, if they will believe God. Amen? And so to deny them an opportunity to sow would be wrong. It'd be me saying I don't believe in what I preach. But it can be humbling to receive. From someone who maybe is not in a, in a good condition. But that's what it is. Humbly. Humble yourself. Receive. And I'm telling you, the more we lay hold of some things and the more we develop in our reaping, there's going to be some things happening. And we, we think about it, but when it actually happens and the people are doing it, it can kind of catch you off guard. You didn't know it was going to be them. Hmm? You didn't know it was going to be like this. And yet here it is. Do not let your pride get in the way. I know some years ago, the Lord dealt with me to give something to an individual, young minister. And I went to him. And I, and I handed it to him. And I said, you know, I want you to have this. And they looked at me and they said, uh, I can't take that. I said, sure you can. Open your hand. I'll put it in it. You close it. Then you have it. They said, no, you don't understand. I can't, I can't receive that. I said, yes, you can. Receive it. They said, no, I just, I can't. And they wouldn't receive it. Now, they didn't know it, but they aggravated me. I never let them see it, but it irked me. Do you know in some primitive societies, refusal of a gift it's like a declaration of war. It's like spitting in a man's face. It's like saying, you ain't good enough for me. Nothing you got's good enough for me. I don't want anything to do with you. I mean, it's, it, wars are caused in some societies by this. And what the person was saying, I know they didn't mean to. But what they're saying is, I don't believe you heard from God. I don't believe that your heart's right in this. I'm going to deny you this opportunity to sow and therefore the opportunity to reap this harvest. Serious stuff. I remember years ago my dad did something for an individual in the community. And it was, it was you know, a goodly thing. Involved a good bit of labor and some equipment. And, and uh, he saw the man later and the man said, you know, I'm, let me pay you for this and that. And the man had had some health problems and, and dad said, no, I'm just going to do that for you. And, and the man, he, he kind of looked funny, and he said, uh, no, no, let me pay you. And he said, uh, no, no, really. I, I want to do that for you. I just want to give that to you. And the man got upset. He said, well, I'm not a charity case. 
And he said, I didn't say you was. But I can afford to pay. He said, I know you can. But just let me do this for you. And man, he just got bent out of shape. He said, well, I, I don't want to be beholden to you. What is this? Ugly, stinking pride, isn't it? Somebody's trying to do something nice for you. But it's bothering. And see, I'm telling you, we, we're going to see some things that are of such magnitude that even though you think you're a pretty good receiver, you're going to be challenged. You're going to be checked out. You're going to go, oh, oh, you're going to do what? <laughs> God told you to do what? You sure you heard from God? And at that point, you're going to have to do what? Okay. All right. Thank you. But see, you know, it's easier on your pride if you're on the giving end. But we're big rippers, so that means we're going to be on the receiving end. A lot. Huh? And our humility will allow us to receive thankfully, gratefully, graciously. Okay, lastly. Pride always wants to be first. I'm talking about positional things now. Pride wants to be the boss. Pride wants to be in charge. And so here are the questions. How do you handle being a supporter? How do you handle playing, as they say, second fiddle? Does it bother you? Does it work on you? Does it chew on you that you are not the man? It shouldn't. All of us are in the helps ministry under the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand the Holy Spirit is called the helper? It is not an embarrassing thing for us, shouldn't be, that we help somebody. It's a godly thing. It's a holy thing. And it's a relatively small percentage of the body of Christ that are going to be the very heads of an organization and lead. And most of the people are going to be somewhere under somebody with a vision. Right? The vast majority. But if it chafes you, if it bothers you that you're not the chief, you're not the head one, that's your pride that you're bumping up against. Do you know that there are numerous individuals that have split off and left and started their own ministry or started their own church that never should have? Never should have. They would have been a greater blessing, had a greater impact on the body of Christ at large as a helps minister to somebody else. But they couldn't handle the submission And they couldn't handle having to take instruction from somebody else. They want to be in charge. They want to do it their way. So people split off and they start their own things and do it. A lot of times never mounts to anything, but they got their name on it. They're the one in charge. It's not who knows us. It's it's where can we have the most impact on the body? Where can we do the most good? 
Where can we make the most difference? And for most people, most people, the vast majority of people, that's going to be in some kind of a helps capacity. And we shouldn't find it insulting or humiliating that we are not the number one. Jesus is the number one. Amen? And all of us are under him. Under him. Somewhere. Can you be in a secondary role? And be happy. And content. Can you be behind the scenes and not seen and known? And yet be happy. Knowing the Lord sees you. He knows you. He keeps good records. Can you... Be demoted and have a good heart. There will be some situations as you follow God all the way where the Lord may, it may look to you like a demotion. And part of it is a test. Amen. That's going to determine whether you're qualified to move to the next place or not. Promotion. Because before honor is humility. That's where it always happens. That's why you can be excited when you're in a situation that requires humility and you're really having to humble yourself. If you know the way God works, you'd be shouting, thinking, glory to God, I know what's next. I know what happens after this. It'll help you get through it too. I have, I've been in a situation before where I was, I was in charge of the thing. I was doing it and something happened and, and I'm demoted. Now I'm back behind and up under some folk that I used to be over. Now that'll work on your flesh. But what it does is when you get in these kind of situations, the pride that's in you will come up and you can see it. And that's when you should thank God for the opportunity to get this junk out of you, knowing if you didn't get it out, it would limit you. It would limit how much God could bless you and how much he can promote you. Knowing that if you do genuinely humble yourself, what's going to come next? Promotion. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due time and season. What's he going to do? He's going to exalt you or promote you or bless you. And how do you handle or would you handle someone else Getting the credit for what you do. Hmm? Let's say you work your little heart out and your blood, sweat, and tears and, and you get it done. And somebody else takes credit for your work. Now you got to stand up and say something now, don't you? We can't let this go. It's just, it ain't right. It ain't right. Bless God, it just ain't right. There's more and more going on here than what's right. Your pride is screaming. You ain't getting my credit. You ain't getting what I, I worked for that. I did that. And I'm telling you, it's a real test of humility if you can just sit and go, well, if anybody wants to know, I'll tell them. But <laughs> I got to shut up here. I got to be quiet. Hmm? Can you? Do you have the faith? Do you have the humility to leave your defense?
to leave your justification in the hands of God? Or do you have to justify yourself? Do you have to defend yourself? Bless God, I didn't do that. And I want everybody to know it. Or I did. That was my baby. I did it from start to finish. I did it. Who? Me. Is, is our objective is to make sure that you get all the glory that's due you? Is that the main thing? Doesn't the Lord know what you did? Can anybody confuse him about it? No. Doesn't he know? He knows. He knows. Can you be in a secondary position? Can you, if need be, step back? Can you step back? Can you step down and keep a good heart and a right heart? Just say, well, Lord, wherever you want me, that's where I want to be. Whatever, whatever, wherever I can do the most good, that's where I want to be. Whatever suits you. And please, if you're happy, and if he's not happy, he's well able to move you. He's well able to change things and, and, and get you in a different place. Can you, no matter what people say about you negatively, or if they attribute what you have accomplished through God, you know, as accomplished through you, to, to another person, can you be quiet and leave your justification and leave your defense to God? Go with me to Timothy, and we'll close with this. Hallelujah. I know this wasn't all easy for you this morning, but <laughs> you made it. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> you made it. Glory to God. 1 Timothy 5. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say, I can handle it. Remember, this is not a negative thing. This is an extremely positive thing. The more of this ugly stuff I can see and get out of my life, that's the more room I have for the grace of God. That's the further God can use me. That's my, the limitations are removed and the ability to God to work through me and use me is increased in direct proportion to how much I can grow in this area. In 1 Timothy 5 and verse 24 he says, some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Understand this? No one ever gets away with anything. Nobody. There's only one solution. The blood of Jesus. Confess, repent, be forgiven, washed. Otherwise, it's going to come bite you. If not here and now, later. You'd rather it be here and now. But see, there's a lot of times people have done terrible, dastardly deeds. And folks think, well, man, you know, they live, seem like a happy life. And that never, it, it ain't over. I said, it ain't over. Nobody ever gets away with anything. Except, I'm talking about if you accept the substitution of Jesus that he paid the price for me, then you are clean and washed. But it's not like it was just overlooked. He paid it instead of you. But if you don't accept his price, you'll have to pay it. 
Verse 25, likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise, in other words, those that are not manifest in the here and now, they cannot be hid. I'm telling you, there will be some things that the Lord will allow so that it looks like you were overlooked. It looks like people didn't know it was you who did it. They didn't know it was, it was your work. And that should be okay with you. Knowing that some things come out here and now. But the good things that don't come out here and now, what did it say? They cannot be hid. And if you don't receive recognition or accolades for it here and now, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Because he's got plans for it later. Hallelujah. It's a lot better for it to come out later than for it to come out now. Because it's not the glory and honor of men we seek. It's the glory of God. It's pleasing God. It's the honor of God, which is eternal. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh man, I almost forgot. I told you I was going to give you a few things. To quench pride. Thank you, Lord. This won't take just a minute. It's a message, but I'll condense it. Uh, y'all have been good troops today. I hope I hadn't worn you out. I just, uh, you know, you, you, you have things that need to be done, that need to be accomplished. You know, if you've got 40 grease fittings on a vehicle, you might not want to grease all of them, but you need to grease all of them. Right? <laughs> If you've got 12 acres of grass, you might not want to cut all the grass, but it all needs to be cut. Amen. Uh, turn with me to Deuteronomy 17 real quickly. I'll make this as brief and painless as I know how. <laughs> uh, okay. Give you some just a few things here that will help you. When you feel pride, any of these evidences that I've mentioned to you, you see it. Here's some things you can what do I do? Okay, man, I'm mad about this. I know I got no business being mad about it. What's some things I can do on a daily basis to help quench this ugly stuff? To help put it down. One thing you do is remind yourself of how God sees pride. Remind yourself of its effects. You know, it's easy. You know, you might be stirred up about it right now. But what about next month? What about six months from now? Keep it in front of you how God hates it. He hates it. It's an abomination to him. And you've got to feel the same way about it that you detest it. Keep yourself aware of how God sees it and of its effects. Secondly, you need to continually Feed on the Word of God. I'm talking about the Bible. You need to read the Bible. Now most folk would say, I know that. I didn't ask you if you know it. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? And here's why. Are you in Deuteronomy 17? Deuteronomy 17. He talked about the king and something he was to do that would protect him from getting elevated 
in pride because man, the king, has got such power and such authority and the temptation is going to be there to be haughty. And he said in Deuteronomy 17, it says verse 18, It shall be when he, the king, sits upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book. Out of that which is before the priest, the Levites, he'll get him a personal copy of the word of God. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand to the left, to the end he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel." Remember, what's going to keep you walking in humility, walking in truth? This word of truth. Even when you might begin to think a little foggy about something, if you're in the word all the time, it's going to show it. The light's going to show up the wrong thinking. And just about time you get to thinking you know a lot, you're going to read so many things in there that you haven't half accomplished or arisen to, it's going to bring you back to reality. Right? And all you think you know something, you're going to see so many things you don't know yet. So just a continual feeding on the Word is a tremendous help in keeping you in reality, which is keeping you in humility. Now thirdly, and go with me to Psalm, I guess, what is it, 35, I think it is. Let me see if that's right. Psalm, yeah, 35, 13, that's right. Psalm 35, 13. This will help you in dealing with pride, putting your flesh under, crucifying your flesh, which has to do with different forms of fasting. Psalm 35, 13, are you there? 35, 13, he said, for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. Notice this phrase, I humbled my soul with fasting. Did you hear that phrase? I humbled my soul with fasting, denying your flesh. Now, the only way this is going to work is that you are honest with yourself. When you get to feeling a little too big for your britches. Anybody ever been there? You get to feeling like you're, you know, maybe I hadn't totally arrived, but I'm, I'm getting pretty high. And you, you, you detect some of that old junk. What can you do? Miss some meals. Cut out some TV. Cut out some of your favorite things you like to do. Are you with me? Uh, you know, do, do some fasting. And that's, that's more than just food. It can in, involve a lot of areas. One of your hobbies that you always like to do or something all the time. I didn't say quit it forever. Just, just fast it for a while. And it'll jerk your flesh. Amen? And it's amazing. You just miss a few meals and how it'll help you in your soul. Humble. You don't feel as cocky as you did yesterday on a full stomach. Huh? I'm telling you. Through, through fasting in a lot of varied forms, you can humble your soul. You deny yourself. You deprive yourself. You help lower your soul, humble, and bring your soul down. And finally, this, this is coupled with this, true 
Worship is an exercise in humility. True worship. To worship means, one, one definition of the word means to kiss towards. One means like a dog licking its master's hand. And when you truly worship God, even if you don't do it outside, inside you prostrate yourself. Amen. I mean like a dog licking his master. How many understand dogs uh, don't have pride? Huh? Dog will come and lick your dirty foot. Won't he? And be happy. I'm your dog. Dog, you got stuff all over your nose. I don't care. I'm your dog. <laughs> don't lick my foot. I got mud all over my... I don't care. I'm your dog. <laughs> no pride. And in true... I mean, the Greek uses this definition. Look it up. I mean, uh, what proskuneo is the Greek word. To kiss towards. And if you look up some of the others, it has to do with like, you know, like crouching before and bowing before. And even one phrase is like a dog licking his master's hand. True. You you can't be prideful and really worship. You cannot. Now you can praise God and maintain a little haughtiness, but you can't really worship. Because worship You strip off all the facade, all the stuff, and you lay your heart bare. And you, even if you don't do it outwardly, you do it in the spirit, your face on the floor. And worship, acknowledging He is God. He is the Creator. I am the created. Every good thing has come from His hand. He gives me my next breath. Everything that has been accomplished is by His grace, totally by His grace. Watch for it. God is in the process of blessing us beyond what we've thought, beyond. And at the height of our success as ministers, as children of God, when the anointing has been so strong on you, it's just been incredible. The revelation has flowed in an amazing way. Miracles have happened. Signs have happened. It will challenge your flesh to keep your heart the way it ought to be. If you've been so used and so mightily, and people that, that God is not as real to as a natural man, they'll gravitate to you. And they'll tell you a thousand and one times in a day how wonderful you are and how amazing you are. Especially the more that happens. And after hearing that and hearing that and hearing that and hearing that, that feeds your pride. That feeds the nature of your flesh. And there may be times you just need to get away. Just get away from everything and everybody and shut the door and put your face in the floor and worship God. Worship God and tell Him, I know who did it. I know how it happens. I know where it comes from. And just worship Him and worship Him and worship Him and worship Him. It's an exercise in humility. This is not just for ministers. God is going to bless some of you guys. You're going to have so much money and so much stuff. And in the world, people kowtow to that. It'll be, oh, yes, Mr. This, and yes, Mr. That, and you'll get so used to having your way and people jumping around you when you feel that stuff in you. C- 
Cut out some recreation. Cut out some of the things you enjoy. Miss some meals. Put your face in the floor. Worship God. Worship God. And don't let this pride limit you and cut you off from the rest of your promotion and the rest of the way God wants you to be used. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's just lift our hands and thank Him and praise Him just a little bit. Father, we bless You. Oh, we thank You. You're such a good God. You've been so good to us. You've done so much for us. So many things. Thank You. You're so gracious to us. And Lord, we just sense the mighty and the wonderful things that You have in the plan, in the works for us. Grant us that we may remove everything that's a hindrance and everything that's a limiter that you not be hindered, that you not be restricted in blessing us and using us in Jesus' name. Now say it out loud, in the name of Jesus. Help me to see, Lord, all in me that is of pride and not of you. And grant me grace and help me to use my faith to deal with it, to crush it, to cast it aside, push it down, and not yield to it. Remind me tomorrow and next week and next month until I change and become more Christ-like. Until I change and grow in humility. Until I change and love the truth and love humility above all I thank you for it in Jesus name hallelujah 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 praise you Lord this ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.